for many of us, one of the biggest decisions we make when it comes to best caring for our pet is actually deciding which is the best diet to feed them. It's also one that causes the most problems. You come across so many polarizing views, so many different opinions, and so much is actually not based on facts. The problem, though, stays if you decide to feed your pet a normal commercial food because the pet food manufacturers are really out there to try and convince you that their diet is best. And it can be really confusing either interpreting what all the marketing and slogans on the packaging actually mean even working out how much meat in your pet's diet can be challenging. And then if you're using the ingredients list to try and compare a couple of different diets, there are some really cunning tricks that they employ to try and mislead you as to what's included in that diet. Well, today I'm diving deep into these topics so that you can be comfortable that you're feeding your pet the right diet. Welcome to the Call the Vet Show, the podcast that helps keep your furry family as healthy as possible so they can live the full and happy life they deserve. And here's your host, veterinarian Dr. Alex Avery. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number 96 of the Call the Vet Show. I'm veterinarian Dr. Alex, and on this podcast, I help you understand and optimize the health of your furry family member so that they can live the full and happy life that you want for them. And for those of you who have been listening for a while and and welcome back, I really appreciate you choosing to spend your time with me. You'll have noticed that the podcast episodes have been somewhat intermittent over kind of this year, really, after my, my Christmas break. And so I just wanted to kind of chat about the future of the podcast briefly, just to let you know what I'm planning and what the future format will be. I started doing interviews with experts guests. Uh, I think Sarah and Draco was my first guest way back in August of last year. Uh, And subsequently, I've spoken to some really amazing people and I really enjoy having those conversations and hopefully you enjoy listening to them as well. I think it's a great way to provide you with information from people who really are experts in their field and actually deep diving into the topics that are passionate for them. And the great thing about podcasting is that it doesn't rely on algorithms to show up results in search like Google or YouTube and most other platforms online. So really, that's what I'm going to be focusing on for now, really disregarding the algorithm, disregarding search and discovery. I'm going to hopefully be relying on you to share these episodes with other pet lovers in your in your life. And so I'm going to be bringing you regular interviews we're not going to be a weekly show anymore. Also, personally, I found it really challenging to try and keep up with that schedule. And it was having a detrimental kind of impact on my life and stress levels. And so I'm taking a step back to really just try and provide you with as much value as I can, while also making this a sustainable show to produce. But then as well as these interviews, I'm also going to be bringing you deep dives into certain topics just like today's episode, where I'm actually going to be combining um, audio from a number of different YouTube videos or other content that I produce kind of elsewhere, um, elsewhere in the world. And I hope that by doing this, I'll still be able to bring you a huge amount of information that will really benefit you and your furry family. And so the general format of the show is slightly different. The frequency is slightly different, but hopefully the value is just the same. And that's quite enough of me rambling on for now. So let's jump into today's episode. 
it can seem almost impossible to decipher dog food packaging so you can work out actually what's in your dog's food. Even knowing how much meat a diet contains is far from easy. And so today I'm going to talk you through a really simple way that you can use your dog food's name to work out how much meat it contains. Now the FDA have devised a pretty simple naming strategy that at least in the US all dog food manufacturers have to follow and the name relates to how much meat percentage is in that diet. And we can break these names into four separate groups, with the first being that the meat is the first thing that's said. So an example would be beef dog food. And this means that the diet must contain over 95% of that meat. Now, if instead the diet contains a couple of different meat types, for example, beef and liver diet, we know that the combined beef and liver must also add up to over 95% of that diet's composition. And we also know that because beef is the first protein on that name, there is more beef than liver. And the second naming convention is to use a descriptive name. So that could be beef platter, entree, formula, nuggets, recipe, any name that has got a description after the protein, so the beef, the chicken, the pork, for example, means that that diet will contain between 25 and 95% meat. Now that's clearly a pretty big range, but it really is no, there's really no way to get more detail than that by using just the name alone. That said, personally, I'd probably assume that it's closer to the 25% mark rather than that 95% mark. So the third naming convention is with the meat. So for example, dog food with beef. Now, if you see this, it means that the diet will contain between three and 5% beef as its overall components. That's really not a lot, but it does get worse because the fourth group will say flavor. So dog food that's beef flavor may actually not contain any beef at all. And if you look at the ingredients list, the chances are you won't find beef on that list. And this can be really confusing and really quite tricky because what you'll often see is on the bag, there'll be uh, a fresh cut of beef, there'll be a picture of a chicken that really is trying to trick you into thinking that there is meat in this diet. But if it says flavor, you can be pretty much guaranteed that it's not actually going to contain that meat or any meat at all. Now, when you're looking at the ingredients list on the back of your dog's food, what you need to remember is that the list is in order by weight of how much that ingredient is contained within the diet. So really what we should be looking for first is that the meat component is first if you're looking for a high meat diet. What you really need to bear in mind though is that manufacturers know that you're looking for this and they can do a number of different things to catch you out to make you think that there is more meat in there than for example grains. Now a couple of ways that they can do this is by actually splitting grains. So if they use a couple of different types of grain then they can include those separately on the ingredients list and so they will appear lower down compared to that beef component, for example. But this trick can also be done for a single ingredient. For example, you could just say maize and that could be the, the single ingredient, but it might be that it says maize flour, maize gluten or maize meal separately. And if those three different types of maize, which after all is the same ingredient really, if those three different types of ingredients are listed, then again, they could be further down that ingredients list. Have you ever stood in the dog food aisle looking to try and decide the best food for your dog but being completely overwhelmed? It can be really confusing. 
We all want to find the freshest ingredients and the healthiest food options for our family. And that goes for our furry family member as well. But pet manufacturers, dog food manufacturers know this and you really can't believe everything that they put on their pet food packaging. Well, today I want to help you decipher some of the words that are included and that are simply marketing tactics for these dog food manufacturers. And the difficulty when it comes to dog food is that there are so many different marketing words, buzz terms, common or popular phrases that you might think you know what they mean, but the actual definition is very different. And some terms actually have no definition and for all intents and purposes are completely meaningless and are simply added to the dog food label to try and catch your eye and convince you into making that purchase. And so the first common term is premium. Now, when you hear premium, you probably think that this is a really high quality diet. But the fact is that there is no guidelines. There's no agreed definition for what premium actually means. Now that said, most premium dog foods will be a fixed formulation. That means that no matter whether the, the ingredient changes in its availability or price, the ingredients and what goes into that bag of dog food is the same between every single batch. Now that differs from lower quality dog foods where if chicken is cheaper at one point in time than beef, the ingredients may differ as much as that. So for example, if your dog does suffer from uh, an intestinal sensitivity, then sticking to a premium diet may actually be a good idea. Although, like I say, that definition is not set in stone. Now, the natural progression from premium is to super premium. But again, there is no set definition. There's no guidelines in what a diet needs to contain or the checkboxes that need to be ticked to call themselves a super premium diet. It's just not there. So again, in all intents and purposes, it's a pretty worthless phrase. Now, that said, many super premium diets are actually manufactured without any artificial preservatives. Instead, they might contain natural preservatives such as vitamin C and E. They may also contain many exotic ingredients like blueberry or apricot or caviar or smoked salmon. The reality here, though, is that those ingredients are often added because of human dietary fads or current human trends. And they're simply added in really tiny proportions so that they can be included in that ingredients list. There's likely no benefit to your dog. Again, it's simply trying to catch the eye of you as your dog's owner who's going to make that purchasing decision. And exactly the same goes for diets that are labelled with similar terms like gourmet or artisan. Natural is another common marketing term. And you might think that that means that the diet contains nothing that was made in the laboratory or the processing plant. But there is actually a specific definition for this term. And what that definition says is a feed or ingredient derived solely from plant, animal or mind sources, either in its unprocessed state or having been subjected to physical processing, heat processing, rendering, purification, extraction, hydrolysis, enzymologist or fermentation, but not having been produced by or subject to a chemically synthetic process and not containing any additives or processing aids that are chemically synthetic, except in amounts as might occur unavoidably in good manufacturing practices. So the term natural probably doesn't mean what you think it did. 
Now, organic is another term that often gets bandied around, and you're probably thinking that this means that it contains no pesticides, that the animals that went into producing this food didn't receive any medications. Again, though, organic is a protected term which does have a very specific meaning. And organic is defined as produced through approved methods that integrate cultural, biological and mechanical practices that foster cycling of resources, promote ecological balance and conserve biodiversity. Synthetic fertilizers, sewage sludge, irradiation and genetic engineering may not be used. And certified organic foods will contain some seal of approval on that packaging. For example, the USDA organic guarantee. But what that means is, in this case, that actually 95% of the ingredients must come from organic sources, like that definition describes. But it still means that 5% of that ingredients list does not need to be organic. Human grade is the next term, and this is one that has become more and more popular in recent years. And you'll probably think that human grade means that this food that goes into your dog's diet is fit for human consumption. But the reality is, is that there is no protection, there is no definition or guarantee when this term is used. With food manufacturing, edible is the protected term. So if something is human edible, then that means that it is processed like it would be for our own plate. But human grade means absolutely nothing. And next comes holistic. Again, this is a term that has increased in use in recent years. And to be honest, holistic probably means very many different things to very many different people. It's often used interchangeably with natural. And unfortunately, just like natural, it means absolutely nothing. There is no definition, there is no guarantee that comes from the use of this term. It is simply added to catch your eye and convince you to make the purchase. Now, while you're looking at your dog food packaging, you really should be looking for the nutritional adequacy statement, also known as the AFCO statement, which will let you know whether the diet provides all of your dog's nutritional requirements, how that information was determined, and which life stages the diet is designed for. And there are three main groups to this statement. The first will be that this diet has been formulated to comply with AFCO requirements. Now, this means that the ingredients have been analyzed in a laboratory, in a computer program. It may be that the ingredients have actually been analyzed before the diet was even formulated, rather than analyzing the complete diet after manufacturing. But from that analysis, it it's said to, to satisfy those AFCO minimum requirements. The next statement group is that animal feeding trials have been carried out, which have determined that the diet does provide complete and adequate nutrition for a specific life stage of dogs. So this might say all life stages, it might say puppies, it might say adult dogs, it might say senior pets. And the final group is that a diet is only intended for supplementary or intermittent feeding. And what this means is that it is not complete and balanced and it should be supplemented with other foods, ideally that are complete and balanced. Look, I get it. The ingredients list seems like a great place to start when it comes to comparing two different diets for your dog and choosing the best one for your furry family member. The reality is though that dog food manufacturers, they know what you're looking for. And while they can't lie or while they don't lie 
on their food labels. They do have a number of cunning tricks up their sleeves to help convince you to buy their diet. And after running through some of the most common pitfalls that you really need to avoid, I'll give you some important questions that you need to be asking that dog food manufacturer that may be found on the label, but may take further research. And before we dive into these pitfalls to avoid, it's really important when you're looking at the ingredients list to know that the manufacturers list that in order of weight. So the ingredients that make up a higher percentage of that diet are listed first, and these gradually get smaller and smaller as you go down that ingredients list. Now, manufacturers can't purposefully lie in this list, unlike some other terms that I've spoken about in another video, but there are a few tricks that they have up their sleeve. And by far the biggest trick is to try and convince you that there's more meat in the diet and fewer grains in the diet than you might want. Because manufacturers know that grains are currently public enemy number one, although that's often quite unjustified and people don't like seeing those in their dog's diet. But they also know that people want a dog food that contains an awful lot of meat. And so the manufacturers can trick you by modifying the ingredients list in a number of different ways. The first way is to actually split the grains out. So use a couple of different grain sources, and that means that those two ingredients are split and so contained further down in the ingredients list. It might even be the same ingredient that they split out. So they might contain maize gluten, maize flour, something like that, rather than just saying maize. And again, these two ingredients will have a slightly smaller percentage of each one, and so can be further down that ingredients list. The other trick you might see is actually combining all of the different meat components that go into that diet. So it might say meat content as the first ingredient, but then in brackets we'll say chicken, beef, liver, poultry, something like that. And that means that all of those different ingredients, which may be further down the ingredients list if they were itemized separately, are all bumped up because combined they have a greater percentage. The next trick is to add superfoods to your dog's diet. Now, you might not think that that's such a bad thing. The reality is, though, that superfoods are very often things that are thought of to maybe give a boost to human health. There's actually often very little evidence behind that. But as well as the fact that there probably isn't any benefit to your dog anyway, they're also only contained in really small amounts, just so much that they can be added to your dog food ingredient list. So they are simply added to attract your eye, to attract your attention, and so convince you that the diet is healthier than it may otherwise be. The addition of exotic ingredients comes next. And by this, I mean ingredients that aren't traditionally used in the manufacturing of dogs' diets. Now, have you ever seen a diet with kangaroo or crocodile or such other ingredients that you wouldn't normally see? Again, these are often added to catch the eye to convince you that it's an it's a, it's a really healthy diet. And these additional ingredients are often combined with terms like natural or hypoallergenic, which aren't protected terms, which I've discussed in another video. And the simple fact is, is that there isn't a great deal of experience when it comes to formulating diets with these, with these ingredients, or there's no significant history of dogs being fed these diets for a long period of time to ensure that they are actually healthy and optimal for your dog. A clear example of this is the problem we've had with potential increases in heart disease in dogs that have been fed diets that are rich in lentils, peas and potatoes, all ingredients that were added to diets as substitutes for grains because people don't want to feed their dogs grains. Again, that's not potentially justified at all. So really, unless your dog 
does have a specific intolerance or allergy to their food, which really isn't as common as you might think. These exotic ingredients really play no benefit to their health. And then the final problem with using the ingredients list to try and choose between different diets is that there is no indicator of quality. You can get the same ingredient that comes from different sources and varies considerably in the quality of that processing and the quality of that ingredient. And there's just no way to know this when it comes to simply reading the ingredients list on a pack of dog food. There are though some very important questions that you can seek answers for that really will help you decide whether a particular dog food is right for you and your family. And the first is where is that food manufactured? If it's a home brand diet, then the chances are that's outsourced. It's a third party that's packaged the food with that particular branding on. So you want to be finding out where that manufacturer is. Next, you want to find out what the quality controls are is each batch tested? Which tests are run? Are there any certifications or stamps or quality control seals that have been added and have been obtained to give you a bit more confidence that that food is a really high valued product and has tight quality control? how many qualified dog nutritionists are employed by this company. Now you might think it's a given that companies employ a multitude of experts in this field, but you'd be surprised that some don't actually employ any nutritionists at all. And then how are these diets tested? What's their AFCO or nutritional adequacy statement? Are they simply analyzed in a laboratory? Are feeding trials conducted? Is there something else that's been done? You really need to find this information and that often is included on the labeling of a particular pet food. And then finally, how many calories are in the food? That might be per can, might be per 100 grams, per kilogram, whatever it is. It's surprising how often this crucial piece of information is missing from a dog's food. And it's really important because obesity is a huge problem and it's only when you know how much energy is in that food that you can work out how much you really should be feeding your dog. So now that you've heard all of those strategies that pet food manufacturers use to try and make you part with your hard-earned dollars, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Are there anything that's completely revelationary to you? Is there anything that you're going to use to, to go back and to check your current diet? Or are you definitely going to be changing your diet as a result of that? I'd love to hear from you. The best place to get me is generally over on Instagram. You can send me a DM or leave a comment on any of my posts. And I always love to hear from podcast listeners. So check me out over on Instagram where you can find me at Our Pets Health. You can also check out all the show notes and everything over on the Our Pets Health website. So that's ourpetshealth.com or you can get to that from callthevet.org as well. And make sure you're subscribed if you're not already. Hit that subscribe button on whichever podcasting app you're listening to. And for those of you that are regulars, I'd appreciate it so much. As always, if you could share this episode with your pet loving friends and family to help me reach more pets and change their lives. But Anyway, that's it from me with this show. I've got a fantastic interview with the wonderful dog trainer, Doggy Dan, coming up in the next episode in a couple of weeks. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that one. But for now, that's it from me. I'm Dr. Alex. This is the Call the Vet Show. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Call the Vet. For full show notes and any links mentioned in today's show, head over to callthevet.org. We'll see you next time.